Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. <laughs> Get it? With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Best Gas Podcast. It's about cars, it's not about ports. Hey guys, welcome to the Past Gas Podcast. If you like Past Gas, please help us grow by giving us a good rating and a nice review on the podcast platform of your choice. It'll really help us out, and I really appreciate that, so thank you. All right, now for the show. It's a peaceful day in Turin, Italy, sometime in the late 60s. Giorgetto Giugiaro, a rising star in the world of Italian car design, is strolling under the shadow of the town's clock tower. Suddenly, a jolt of electricity and a DeLorean screeches into the street out of thin air. A dude with a goatee and glasses, plus another guy who appears to be his dad, jump out of the car and run <laughs> towards Giorgetto. Mamma mia, papa pia, exclaims Giugiaro. He's focused on the DeLorean. He's never seen anything like it, but it feels strangely familiar, like something that might spring from his very own brain. The dad guy is nearly breathless as he grabs Tajoro by his shoulders. Listen up, dude. I know you're designing some of the sickest wedge-shaped cars in the world right now for Maserati and Alfa Romeo and whatever, but something important is about to happen to you and you have to make the right decisions. The future of our YouTube channel depends on it. Jujaro's confused. A YouTube channel? It, it's like a TV <laughs> on your computer. Listen, in about a year, Volkswagen is about to ask you to design a car for them. You need to say C. You understand? Volkswagen? 
I say yes? Yes, dude. You're gonna design the first Volkswagen Golf. It's the granddaddy of so many of the cars that Donut loves. The radio in the DeLorean comes on. Hey dudes, this is Joe. You're running low on power. Better get back to 2020. Jaro stares as James and Nolan climb into the DeLorean and flash away in a shower of sparks. Today on Pass Gas, it's back to the future as we look at the life work of Giorgetto Giugiaro, the Italian car designer responsible for the DeLorean, Golf Mark I, and so, so much more. Wow, that was fun. There's a, <laughs> well, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, there's one. Yeah. <laughs> One, Kanan, uh, our director, is out of town today, so he's not here. <laughs> he's out free climbing. Really, one of the only instances that we need a director. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah, seriously. Because <laughs> we got, like, Nolan playing himself, but, like, playing himself in a skit and then going back to playing himself. <laughs> yeah. And I'm talking to myself as someone else. It's insane. And then, two, Tommy, our our writer is Joe's friend, Joe's good friend. Joe's the one who brought him into Donut. And Tommy made Joe a car. <laughs> In this uh, like fantasy, Nolan and I are traveling through time and stuff. And Joe, I guess, is either the car or back in the present talking to us through a radio. So Either way, I like that I'm included in this part. So yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, welcome back to uh, Pass Gas, everyone. Uh, as we said, this week we're taking a look at Georgetta Giugiaro, uh, basically responsible for every cool car that uh, you like in some way. Whether directly or indirectly. He, yeah, he's... The Daewoo Lanos. Daewoo Lanos. That's right. Uh, Freaking, um, <laughs> I think he designed the Panda. Uh, oh, yeah. And yeah, so many, so many more cars, as we'll see. Uh, this guy, he he recently passed away, correct? No, I think he's still alive. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, he's still alive. Oh, I thought he died. He's eighty-two. Oh, I hope he's still alive because he's in my guest room. That was, but that was when I was talking to Tommy about this. I was confused because I was like, he's got to be a hundred and twenty years old by now. But he started his career so early. He was like seventeen when he first started designing. So he's been around forever. Wow. So anyway, we decided that uh, we'd take a break from the racing and uh, and take a look at some a figure that doesn't get talked about a lot. Um, design is not the even though it's responsible for so many of our favorite things in this uh, industry, uh, it doesn't really get its uh, chance to shine very often. It's a little overlooked. So I, I'm glad that we're doing this episode today. Uh, I'm Nolan Sykes, joined as always. Uh, by my co-host, one James Pumphrey. Where's your catchphrase? Um, sorry. <laughs> That's my new catchphrase. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, don't steal the straight pipes. <laughs> 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 and Joe Weber. Fired up. Oh, dang, dude. Official merch uh, license. <laughs> uh, thanks to Instagram user... Uh, evergreen kings up in washington uh he made some special stickers for me and i really appreciate it oh, yeah they look awesome uh mike his name's mike thank you mike how how, how have you how have the boys been this week i'm good uh, oh one of the best things ever happened to me uh yesterday 
my dog chewed up one of her toys and like totally ripped it apart because that's what she does. And then I found this, which is just like the whistle part. Oh, yeah. No. So I can just go. <laughs> and then she, like she's probably you, at my, my door right now because like she walks in and she's just like. <laughs> Did you wash it? Nah, man. Fine. We're, <laughs> We're quarantined, man. She doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> I'm good. I had a pretty good week. Uh, I'm excited to donuts taking a week off probably when this is airing. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I'm excited about that um, for sure. Our, you know what? Kanan did it right. He took a week off without even knowing that we we're going to take another week off. So he gets two weeks off in August. That's pretty That's smart. Big brain mode for sure. Yeah. yeah, I think if I had two weeks off from working, yeah, it's a lot of like a lot of time with not much to do. Yeah, when I I only took two weeks off when I had a heart attack. And I was yeah, like, you were trying to come back the first week, and everyone was like, "No, <laughs> get out of here." <laughs> I don't like being alone with my thoughts. <laughs> I had a pretty decent week as well. Uh, I was on uh, Tomo F1's The Cool Down podcast, so please check that out. If you'd like to hear more of my voice, I realized that I say like a lot. I was, I was definitely cringing listening back to it. I sound very Californian, which I guess is fine because I am very Californian. I what? say yeah constantly. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's like, God, shut up. All right. So shall we get into it? Yeah. There's a very solid chance that Giorgetto Giugiaro is the greatest car designer of all time. His genius was in his ability to combine amazing artistic creativity with practical engineering know-how. His designs are futuristic even 50 years later. But when he drew them, they weren't just concepts. They were practical blueprints whose measurements were strictly proportioned to be something a driver could actually use. That combination of artistic innovation and practicality made Dejaro one of the most bankable designers of the 70s and 80s. All told, his decades-long career, he designed over 200 cars, totaling over 60 million in sales. 60 million units. You've almost definitely ridden in or driven a car that Jajaro originally designed. I was confused by that 60 million because I was like, that could be just the Mark I Golf in one year. That's like... <laughs> yeah, that's the Mark I Golf if they sold them for $60. <laughs> yeah. Like, not even. <clears throat> they sold them for like three, like... Yeah, that, yeah, 60 million units. That's nuts. So that's like conservatively... Uh, like a billion dollars? Oh. Like billions. I'd probably say more than that, yeah. Long story short, Jajara continues to have a massive influence on automotive design. But who influenced Jajara? Born in 1938, he couldn't come from a long line of car designers because cars hadn't been around for that long. Instead, his father, grandfather, and great-grandfather were all artists who specialized in painting elaborate murals and frescoes in the churches and palaces of Italy. Naturally, young Giorgetto himself wanted to follow in the family tradition and be a painter himself. However, real life intervened. In the depressed post-World War II economy of Italy, Mario, Giorgetto's father, recognized his son's artistic talent but wanted to make sure Giorgetto learned practical applications for his skills. Italy was no longer a country of churches and palaces that needed painting. 
After centuries of tradition, it was now being pushed into modernity by global forces of change. So as a teenager, Giorgetto was sent 60 miles north from Garesio, his father's town, to the city of Turin to study technical drawing and costume design. <laughs> Strange mix. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, drafting table on one side of the room, one of those cool sewing mannequins on the other. Yeah, no head, no arms, no legs. Just the torso. Just the bus. Yeah. <laughs> All of his costumes look like little cars. <laughs> <laughs> For centuries, Turin has been a major cultural hub of Italy with centuries of painters, opera, and architecture. That tradition of creativity was alive and well in the 1950s when Giorgetto arrived to the city. It must have been an incredibly inspiring place for a brilliant teenage artist to be sent to study. Turin also happened to be the home of the country's automotive industry, which had thrived in the early 20th century, but had been knocked on its ass by World War II, which, scoreboard alert, Italy kinda lost. Most importantly though, Fiat was based in Turin. Fiat was the General Motors of Italy, and as time went on, it acquired so many of its competitors that, a couple decades later, Fiat was practically the Italian auto industry. Have you guys ever seen the the test track they have on the top of the Fiat factory? Yeah, it's so cool. Oh, yeah. It's so cool. So much of success is simply being in the right place at the right time. And for a young designer, Turin of the 1950s was exactly that time and place. By then, the Italian economy was picking up and car manufacturing was a vital ingredient to the recovery. Meanwhile, Giugiaro was studying at art school during the day and studying technical design at night. Among the things he was drawing were cars, and one fateful day, Giugiaro's sketches crossed the desk of Dante Giacosa, Fiat's technical director. Giacosa was the designer of the Fiat 500, a compact city car that would sell nearly 4 million units and cement Fiat's post-war dominance. He was impressed enough to bring Giugiaro, who had no work experience to that point, on board as a junior designer at the age of 17. That's a gamble. I mean, that's amazing. What kind of drawings were you guys doing at 17? I, I actually had this cool skull that I was really cultivating through high school. I was doing skulls oh, too. Hell yeah. Whoa. <laughs> I would draw the zero skull um, and, and the Gretty logo. Oh, nice. That's all you need. So we would probably work at, uh, we'd probably be doing designs for Spencer's, sounds like. Giugiaro <laughs> <laughs> started at Fiat during a golden age of the Italian auto, and a big reason for the industry success was the increasing collaboration between the engineers and designers. As Giugiaro told Esquire magazine in a career retrospective last year, quote, Before those days, the engineers had really done the design. But now, industrial was coming in and we'd give engineers ideas for solving problems. So then they could create new products and systems for us to create something with. And so it went on. <laughs> so it went on is great. Yeah, I think there's like, there's a, a common... Uh, Perception that maybe like the engineers and designers don't get along, you know, because the engineers are the actual ones that have to, you know, so they say the engineers are the ones that have to make the designs actually work in a practical sense like that. But um, it sounds like right at this point in the story, 
they're really collaborating more so that that rivalry doesn't really exist and you can have those really beautiful um classic designs but still have them work yeah there's a there's an old saying if it it's not good design if it doesn't work still jajaro didn't make a huge market fiat the company was massive and he was a tiny teenage anchovy in a big mediterranean sea his bosses were pleased with his work and the promise he showed, but none of his design proposals were actually getting approved and turned into real-life cars. Isn't it George Giaro? Giugiaro. I'm just... G- it's, uh, the, the I gives it a Giu. Giugiaro. 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 I'm just going to say Giugiaro. That's probably great. better. There's probably a better uh, way of saying it. Giugiaro. Gi- Why don't you just call him Gigi? Gigi. Giorgetto Giugiaro is basically the Gigi Allen of automotive design. <laughs> <laughs> he had to eat a lot of shit, his own shit to get some of these designs oh, done. Oh, God. <laughs> I've been compared to Gigi Allen. Really? Yeah, the first thing I did when I moved to LA uh, that like anyone noticed was I threw up all over the place oh, yeah. at UCB. <laughs> uh, milk, right? <laughs> yeah, on stage. I drank a gallon and a half of milk and threw up for three minutes. Yeah, you, you need a ten gallon stomach like Nolan, so you don't puke when you drink a whole gallon of milk. Nolan puked all day. No, I didn't. No, he, well, he, he puked out of his butt a little yeah. bit. No, I. You didn't puke. No, I tried to very hard, uh, but it wouldn't happen. So I, my I stomach really was just like packed full of milk, and then, um, <laughs> and then I, I, uh, as Joe delicately put it, <laughs> puked out of my butt. <laughs> Uh, a little bit for a little while yeah it was it was pretty bad <laughs> that was i can't believe i did that um and i learned a very valuable lesson is to no more physical stunts yeah we're not the dude we're not the dudesons no. we don't need to do <laughs> no, this wait, well it's something well we say that we say that we're not the dudesons and i said that i wouldn't do a physical any more physical challenges and then like two weeks later we got one of those stupid uh uh spicy chips and uh, I ate part of that, and uh, which then caused me again a short time later to puke <laughs> out of my butt. So um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't learn is the lesson, I guess. But hey, Nolan, not learning from history is the most American thing. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's very true. All right. Jujaria would get an opportunity to make his mark at the 1958 Turin Motor Show. Just like when his sketches got him the job at Fiat, Jujaro's pencil did the talking. As Nuccio Bertone was blown away by Jujaro's futuristic Jetsons-like sketches. Bertone was the owner of Carrazzeria Bertone, one of the top independent Italian design shops. At the time, many high-end auto manufacturers relied on outside companies like Bertone to do the bodywork on their cars. I like to imagine that Giugiaro's pencil actually did talk. <laughs> or he's like too nervous to talk to somebody, so he's like, hey, I really speak a fucking... <laughs> it, it's, like, it's like Ratatouille, but there's a little like bug in his pencil that does all the sketches <laughs> <Yeah>. for him. <laughs> Interestingly... Bertone didn't see himself as the designer. He never designed so much as a rickshaw in his role at the company which bore his name. Instead, he saw himself as a talent scout of the automotive design world, and Jajaro was a five-star prospect. Look, I would love to drive race cars someday, but I've realized that I am too old to become a professional. Uh, so I've 
recently decided that I think I want to have a race team at some time in the future. Maybe when I'm like 60 or so. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to find the best. That's what Shelby did. That's what I'm going to do. Well, Shelby was a bad at Shelby won Le Mans as a driver. Yeah, but then he like he didn't design any of his cars. He got the right people to do that. He got right. the right mechanics. He got the right engineers. Mm-hmm. He assembled everyone like a freaking Marvel universe. Yeah, you but then be put the, his name on it. The Nick Fury. Yeah, and plus Nick Fury doesn't doesn't have to go out and fight those aliens. Uh, so uh, Bertone gave Dejario a tryout, the chance to do a test design for Karatz. Carrozzeria. <laughs> the chance to do a test design for Carrozzeria Bertone. The assignment was to design a four-door sedan with sporty styling for Alfa Romeo. Jajario got to work, and Nukio was so impressed by the result that he offered Jajario, a 21-year-old who still hadn't designed a real-world car, the role of chief designer at Bertone. Nukio then turned around and sold the test design to Alfa Romeo, where it would become the Alfa Romeo 2000, Jajaro's first production design. Now... 21 years old. What were you guys doing when you were 21? Uh, I uh, drinking, drinking, house yeah. partying. Drinking. I was working for my dad at the machine shop, going to community college, learning how to do news, um, doing doing broadcasting. So I wasn't a chief designer at a prestigious Italian automotive design firm. Is what? No, that's for sure. Yeah. I wasn't doing that either. I was, but then I quit because I wanted I wanted to go to a technical music school that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Joe, since you did work for a prestigious Italian design firm at the age of 21, um, this yeah. is an audio podcast for the most part. Uh, of course, we have the YouTube version. So, uh, subscribe to yeah. Donut Podcast if you haven't already. Um, Joe, do you think you could uh, describe the Alfa Romeo 2000? To the listener. Yeah. Just let me... Uh, yeah, br- pull it let up. Let me go in my notes real quick. Bring your notes up. Um, and just... Okay. Yeah. Okay. Imagine uh, like if a BMW 2002 had a baby with uh, Carmen Ghia. Can, can I get a little bit more detail? So it's got like, you know, that like a very BMW front end with four headlights, uh, you know, like the chrome grille pretty flat hood but then it gets pretty curvy so there's like it looks like a slant back or yeah slant back notch back kind of thing okay. um a very very like classically beautiful car um all right i'm gonna take a look spoke. i'm gonna i want to see how well joe did on his first try here oh okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm looking at the 1960 Alfa Romeo 2000. Oh, I'm looking at the 73. Sorry. Yeah, the 73. Of course, is uh, that's a good looking car. Okay, I see where you're. Yeah, the the 73 definitely. Like this, I think 60 is probably the one we're talking about. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me let me check that one out. Close your eyes. No, like, <laughs> I already saw it. You don't. This is this is this is the bit of the podcast. <laughs> it looks like an Italian T-bird, maybe. I could see that. Um, I'm not really sure how to describe it. Um, yeah, it's really hard to describe. It's cool looking. I love the greenhouse. Uh, it looks low, which I mean, if if you guys are looking at the second Google image. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good look, good looking car. 
This is a great. Uh, this is a great format. Well, hey, for that was your that was cars. your first one. That was your first one. We're yeah. gonna describe more. Yeah. You're gonna your skills will hopefully improve over the course of this episode. Okay, yeah. cool. Appertone Jajara would continue his work for Alfa Romeo, next designing the 105 and 115 series coupe. The 105 and 115 featured circular headlights that were incorporated into the metal grille, which was a cutting-edge design at the time. They put the headlights in the grille. <laughs> wow, man, wow. <laughs> Jajara's I thought part... that was a Bill Cosby impression for a second. <laughs> no, I was trying to be a beatnik. Uh, <laughs> Jajaro's cars weren't groundbreaking, but they did show an eye for simplicity and function with a smooth, contoured body that made tasteful use of chrome highlights. At this point, Jajaro hadn't yet fully found his style as an iconic designer. Instead, like many talented young artists, he was putting his own spin on existing design concepts. You gotta find your voice, man. That's how you start. Jajaro could have kept designing solid, workmanlike designs and made a nice little career for himself, but he wanted much more. His first flash of brilliance came in the form of Isogrifo, a Grand Tour front-engine rear-wheel drive coupe Giugiaro designed for the now-defunct Italian automaker Iso. The styling, it's, the styling evoked the futuristic sketches that had won Giugiaro his first job at Fiat, with the front windshield set up at a steep angle before sloping back into a bubble-shaped rear window. In profile, Grifo featured bold, sculptural swoops of steel above both wheel wells, giving the body a sleek, fluid appearance. This car is cool. <laughs> I've never seen this car before. Uh, it Allow me to describe it for a second. It's got, I'd say, if it, this is like if uh, like first-gen Barracuda had a baby with uh, Stingray Corvette. Okay. Uh, any... Could um Okay, sorry. My dang girlfriend was texting me and I told her, Hey, I'm doing a podcast. We you get it, her. Nolan. You have a girlfriend. We get it, dude. Stop it's telling cool. us. Quit telling stop talking about it at all. Yeah. Or any <laughs> I, kn I know what a girlfriend is. Oh really? You do? What like what is what is a girlfriend? Describe a girlfriend yeah. in your view. Um uh, you know, like you're off to a good start. You know, I don't have to defend myself against the likes of you two. Okay. Do you want to know what a real a real girlfriend yeah, is? Sure. <laughs> a real girlfriend will, you know, drive you to school in the morning, <laughs> pick you up, <laughs> uh, show you how to work on an engine, mm -hmm. say you're doing a great job, mm -hmm. um, and then tuck you in at night. <laughs> Kiss you on the forehead and then go into the room with your mom. <laughs> dad. No, dude. That's a girlfriend. No, man. You just described a dad. No, I'm pretty sure that's a girlfriend. <laughs> your, is your the beard? Yeah. A beard has a job at his, an insurance company. Your dad works at an insurance company. Yeah, so does my girlfriend. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Uh, the name Grifo in Ital is Italian for griffin, which if you're familiar with mythology and or Harry Potter, you will know <laughs> is a creature with the body of a lion and the wings and the head of an eagle. The name was perfect, given that the Grifo was a totally unique hybrid. Dude. Although the design... What? I'm just saying, like, 
I think I found a new dream car. Right? Yeah. I, this, I, the first thing I saw, first thing I thought when I saw this was, damn, this is a Nolan car. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing Nolan needs is a car that's even harder to find parts. <laughs> 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 no, no. This is like, this, this is a car that I bought. No. This is a retirement car, you know? Like, this is something like you buy when you're old. And you don't care about going you're, fast. The car that you have now is that you are building. Yeah. <laughs> you are building a car with a six volt electrical system. Yeah, Nolan. that's true. But that's different. Where do you even find? Where do you even find a battery, Nolan? Um, internet. Look, I know what a battery is. Okay, I can find it. Um, but no, the, the Grifo. Yeah, I, Joe, I think you're spot on. It does like the the rear half does look very Stingray. Uh, uh, Corvette. Uh, the front is very just muscle carish. Um, that's all. That's all. Yeah. It's like the front clip is very muscle carish, like Detroit. But then the the rear half is very European sports car. It's very very interesting looking car. I really dig it. It's very yeah. cool. It looks like a an Italian Mustang. And he was what twenty one, twenty two when he designed this. Yeah, that's so that's cool. Insane. <laughs> yeah, these are pretty. Pretty sick. All right. You know what I designed when I was 21? A streetwear company. <laughs> uh, Called Supreme. <laughs> yeah. Jajara got a chance to push his blossoming personal style even further with the concept cars he designed for Bertone. An excellent example is the Chevrolet Testudo, which Bertone unveiled at the 1963 Geneva Motor Show. Keeping the animal theme alive, Testudo was Latin for turtle. <laughs> the fastest animal. <laughs> and the coupe definitely looked like something that would be at home underwater with a dramatically low flowing hood and headlights tilted up and flush with the body at a 45 degree angle. The driver's seat, which is so far back, it's practically over the rear wheel, looks like an air bubble shaped from a single pane of glass. The design was so out of this world that when Giorgiaro took the Tostado for a test drive through the mountains, local villagers called the cops. Thinking it was a UFO. All right. What? <laughs> All right. Which by on. definition, it's not because it's on the ground. Okay. They thought it was an alien. They thought it was a terrestrial alien craft. This is the this is the early 1960s in Italy. Cars have been around for a, a while. How are a you going to How are you going to mistake it for a UFO? How are you going to call the police? It would be a UDO, uh, an unidentified unidentified driving. Object. Not, dude. Put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> We'd sell sell out in a day. Wait, do you think that UF stands for unidentified? <laughs> no, it stands for UF stands for unidentified flying. Yeah, but it would be UDO, right? That's Not what I UFDO. Said. I said UDO. Sorry. Okay, I thought you said UFDO. No, you. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is what I think this car looks like. Okay. I think it looks like a Porsche 928 mm -hmm. mixed with a Jaguar E-Type. Perfect, Ooh, perfect description. Is... Perfect description. That is really good. You nailed it. Yep. Joe, I think you've really come a long way in terms of um, <laughs> uh, car knowledge, or just like a, your Rolodex of car knowledge, I think, has expanded so much since you started working at Donut. Um yeah, I've really been I've really been thinking a lot about like if cars had sex with each other, what the baby okay, would be. Okay, maybe like. that's not what we want to say out loud, but um <laughs> No, uh well done. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. 
Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. <laughs> Get it? With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, although the testudo, the turtle, it never hit production. It does look like a turtle, though. Although the yeah. Testudo never hit production, it had a massive impact on sports car design going forward. Suddenly, the cars of the 40s and 50s looked clunky and old-fashioned. The Testudo was a beast, which, like the name suggested, it seemed to take its design cues directly from the animal world. When are we going to get to the wedge stuff, <laughs> right? He does, he's known for wedge, wedge cars. We'll get there, Joe. There's a lot of background. Yeah, Joe, right now he's in his animal phase. Yeah, just like me when I was a furry. Yeah, it's like you looking at a Picasso and be like, hey, what's with all this blue stuff? I heard he put ladies' noses over there. <laughs> no disrespect to the furry community. I've got, I've got a fair number of furry followers on Twitter. Love you guys. Keep doing your thing. Keep expressing yourself. With his work for Alfa Romeo and the success of the Testudo, Giugiaro had made a name for himself. He was no longer just a promising young designer, he was the real deal with multiple designs under his belt. It was time for him to make a move, and in 1965 he left Bertone for 
Carrozzeria Ghia. Thank you, Joe. Another prominent Italian auto design firm. Here, Giugiaro took his car ideas that had begun as mere concepts at Bertone and brought them into the real world. The most iconic of Giugiaro's Ghia designs has to be the Maserati Ghibli, which, like the Testudo, was a low-slung coupe with a hood big enough for a family picnic. Again, the animalistic design was obvious, with a shark-shaped snub nose narrowing to a chrome grille and venting on the side body that suggested gills. Side body, probably not the right term, probably uh, uh, fenders. Where the Testudo seemed friendly, the Ghibli had a more menacing air. It felt like if you got too close, it might take a bite out of you. Jajara's <laughs> that's my bite noise. Uh, Jajara's best designs always played with a balance between fun and sexy, just like me. And the Ghibli was definitely both. You might be sexy, but you're rarely fun. Hey, that's my brand. Boring and sexy. <laughs> Let's make that a thing. <laughs> Let's make that a thing. Uh, the year was now 1967. Both Giugiaro and the culture that his cars were a part of had come a massive way since the Italian had his start as a 17-year-old at Fiat. The late 60s was a time of massive cultural upheaval around the world, and car design was no different. Bob Dylan was going electric. People were dropping acid. The new was surging to overtake the old. You were either with change or against it, and in the car world, Giugiaro made a bold decision. He would embrace a totally new way of thinking about car design. Jujara's version of going from folk to rock was taking the smooth curves of the 40s and 50s and flattening them out. The style came to be known as folding paper, after the flat surfaces and sharp angles of Japanese origami. As the design aesthetic was taken to its natural extreme, it led to the wedge car, a totally futuristic, ultra-low-profile race and sports car that ended up as a poster on countless teenage boys' bedroom walls. Even 50 years later, these cars simultaneously evoke their era while still holding on to a futuristic look that has never quite arrived. I agree. I think wedge cars are like... I mean, they're coming back around because of like cyberpunk stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they're just so different and so cool that like even non-car people can be like yeah that's a tight car for sure a huge first step in that direction was the Ghia era de tomaso mangusta mangusta was italian for mongoose at some point jajar was going to need to design an arc for all these animals <laughs> do you know why it's called the mongoose uh because it kills cobras yeah 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 i don't <laughs> with mongooses as with many of Giugiaro's greatest designs, the name had a bit of a backstory. De Tommaso was an Italian sports and luxury car manufacturer owned by Alejandro De Tommaso, and in the development of the Mangusta, De Tommaso had been attempting to collaborate with none other than Carroll Shelby, the father of another animal known as the Cobra. Shelby bailed on De Tommaso and joined the development team of the Ford GT40 instead, forcing De Tommaso to find a new designer. De Tommaso apparently carried a grudge. The mongoose is known for its ability, James, to kill cobras, as you mentioned. Thus, the De Tommaso Mangusta was literally named a Shelby Cobra killer. Uh, but turns out it didn't. So, James, you're ruining the story. <laughs> uh, 
The, the Mangusta, like the Ghibli, featured a distinctive shark nose design, but what made it different was that it was a mid-engined rear-wheel drive car with a Ford motor, and it had pop-up headlights. Those are pretty rad, too. In total, 401 Mangustas were produced, and the car has popped up in some pretty interesting places. In addition to a Kylie Minogue music video, <laughs> hell yeah, love her, the car appears in a kill in the car appears in Kill Bill Volume Two as the titular Bill drives a silver Mangusta. Apparently, Tarantino wasn't that big of a car guy and wrote it in the script as a silver Porsche, but David Carradine, who played Bill, was a car guy and asked if his character could instead drive the Cadillac CN concept car, a 2002 mid-engine built for Cadillac's 100th anniversary. That's very interesting fact right there. That is interesting. Uh, Cadillac asked for way too much money from the production, so David Wasco, the film's production designer, suggested the Mangusta instead. And it was the perfect choice, given that Bill was trying to kill Uma Thurman's assassin character, just like Mongoose's Mongeese, if you will, uh, kill Cobras. Mongeese. I think I think it's so much better they went with the Mangusta, yeah. because you, you look at like that James Bond with... Halle Berry, whatever mm -hmm. that one was. And you're like, they're just, I mean, at a certain point, it's just so forced. And then it gets really dated when they have concept cars in, in yeah, movies. Concept cars are, concept cars like by nature are just so of the time. And yeah. if, yeah, if you make a movie in like the mid earlyish 2000s and you're driving a concept car from the mid earlyish 2000s, especially a Cadillac. It's not going to age well. No. it's a, The Mangusa is like a cool decision. I remember being impressed that they went with that car. Yeah. I mean, I still really like the Cadillac CN. I think it's still pretty freaking sick, but this is definitely a more inspired choice. It's like choice. the 16. Is that the V16 or something? I think so. It was in Midnight Club 3, which yeah. banned uh, Gran Turismo 4. I used it all the time. Um, but uh, going back to Die Another Day... Halle Berry drives the maroon Ford Thunderbird that had just released at that time. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it dates it so much. Even <laughs> yeah. when I yeah. saw that as a it's kid, a I was like, really? That? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, oh, this was made during that two month period when no one knew this car was lame yet. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but yeah. Like the, the two month period before everyone decided that this was a, Big miss. By 1968, Giorgetto was only 29. He'd already designed a career's worth of iconic cars. He'd worked for Fiat, the biggest name in Italian cars, before spending years at Bertone and Ghia, two of the top auto design firms in the country. These companies had given him access to top brands in car manufacturing, including Alfa Romeo, Maserati, and Chevrolet. The downside was that Giorgetto's own name was secondary to the companies he'd worked for. <laughs> I know how he feels. Even for something as minor as submitting drawings to an automotive design magazine, he had to use a pen name, Paul Sibyl, to submit designs. As an employee, <laughs> as an employee of Carrozzeria Bertone, his work was owned by the company and all his work was expected to be for that company. Hmm. The next step was clear. To start his own design and engineering company. On February 13, 1968, Italdesign Design Giugiaria was founded. Right from the start, the company had a clear mandate for its founding. 
The Turin Car Show was 40 days away, and famed engineer and test driver Giotto Bizzarini, who had collaborated with Giugiario on the creation of the Isogrifo, had asked Giugiario to make an eye-catching concept for the show. In a gestation period of a little over a month, the Bizzarini Manta was conceived and born. Whoa. The car was a mid-engine, three-seater coupe. The driver sat in the middle seat, like the McLaren F1. It took the wedge idea and extended it to its natural limit. This is amazing. It's so cool looking. With a single convex curve that started at the nose and extended all the way to the tail. That put the front windscreen, which took up about half of the car's total length, at a shallow 15 degree angle to the horizon. Almost as wild as the design was the color. It was painted acid green with blaze orange highlights. More 80s MTV than something you'd expect from 1968. The date might actually be the most mind-blowing spec of the Manta. It looked as 80s as ankle warmers, but was made in 1968, fully two decades ahead of its time. I can't believe this thing's a 60s design. It looks, it looks yeah. Blade Runner-ish. It's, it's so strange looking, but also very cool. You can definitely tell where the Countach came from this. Like, yeah, this um, thing. It's very Even cool. like the... The like the Gallardo looks exactly like this car. Yeah, that like flat butt. The interior is pretty cool too. <laughs> There's a six wheeled version. What? Whoa. Yeah. Oh my! I just I want to sit in this car. Like that little gated shifter right there is so cool. I am 100 percent certain I would not fit in that car. Yeah, look at that woman standing next to it. She's got to be at least. Six foot four. <laughs> when we were uh, when we were getting the the 350Zs tuned for the first time, uh, there was a, a De Tomaso. Yeah, there's a Pantera. Yeah, there's a Pantera there, and Nolan went to sit in it, and he was like, "Well, that's a dream ruined because it's like <laughs> so small. Like Nolan's not. I mean, I'm not. I'm not that tall. I'm six foot. Yeah, you couldn't even sit in I it. I could sit in it, but like, no joke, Joe." My like my knees were up against the steering wheel, I, yeah, like this, and it was just like well, I think like, those cars are notorious for having weird pedal positions too. Mm -hmm. So you have to like yeah. like turn your knees to the side. Yeah, and have like small feet. The Ford GT was like that for me. I just loved the car, and we did a thing for Ford right when it came out, and they were like, yeah. I was like, can I can I move it? Like, I would just, from one parking spot to another, they were like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. And I was like, fuck, like, nope. <laughs> you just drive off the top of the parking yeah, garage. Like, cannot, <laughs> like, like, not that I ever could afford one, but it's like, well, it's time to think of something else impossible. Uh, interestingly, Ford GT40 is one of the roomiest super, is the roomiest supercar I've ever been in. Weird. The new one? Like, or the, like, the 2005? Yeah. Yeah. The towel designer made a splashy interest in Jajaro followed up in 1969, nice, with another futuristic concept at the Turin show. This time, the concept was for Alfa Romeo, the company that approved his first production car. That car was the Alfa Romeo 2000, which had proved back in 1958 that the young hotshot had an eye for classic Italian sports car design. Only 11 years later, Jajaro gave Alfa Romeo something completely different. It was the Alfa Romeo Iguana. Oh. <laughs> Iguana. 
Iguana. The car was a sort of hybrid between a wedge and a more curvy design that Jajaro had employed in cars like the Isogrifo. Again, the paint job was striking. Silver metal flake paint was used with brushed metal highlights that Jajaro would bring back for the DeLorean. If you look at the design for the Alpha 2000 and the Alpha Iguana side by side, it is hard to believe that they were a mere decade apart. I'm going to say right now, the... Um the iguana, not the yeah. not as not the best looking car. Ah, uh, the profile's pretty cool. Like just like Profile's straight cool. on profile is very very cool. Uh, have you seen the view from the rear? That like spoiler that spans across the yeah, rear windshield like, right, is so cool. Yeah. I I'm gonna to- I'm gonna 100 disagree with you, Nolan. All right. Well. Well. I think this car is cooler looking than the Bizzarini or whatever. Uh, I like the Bizzarini better. And the 1969 Turin Auto Show also showed that these concept cars were more than just flashy one-offs. Concepts were four-wheeled calling cards that could create valuable opportunities. Ooh. Kurt Lotz had just taken over as director general of Volkswagen the year before, in a time when VW was struggling in an aging lineup. He attended Turin that year, on the hunt for innovative designers to help him reinvigorate the ailing company. After Lotz surveyed the floor, he picked his six favorite cars of the show, and it turned out four of the six had been designed by a tile design, Jajaro. Wow. Jajaro was invited to Volkswagen headquarters in Wolfsburg, Germany in 1970, where Volkswagen asked him for input on their upcoming designs. Apparently, the Germans were impressed. A tile design earned its biggest mass market design deal to date in 1973, when Volkswagen tapped Jajaro to design the Passat, which was produced as both a two-door and four-door fastback sedan and as a hatchback. I didn't realize that Passat was that old. Yeah, those older ones are sick. Yeah, they're so cool. There's a minute there where I was like really trying to find one. Yeah, like an early Ooh, two-door cool. Passat slammed on mm-hmm. some freaking Enkais, dude. Ooh, uh... I only I only run rotiforms, so it would be slammed on some rotiforms, dude. Well, no me wheel and Ken co- Block. I don't have any like I'm not buddies with any cool wheel company people. Although because you're not into Volkswagens, because you're not into Volkswagens. That's probably true. I'm into basic, basic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like muscle cars. Uh, Ooh, the wagon is really cool too. Mm-hmm. That '73 Passat wagon. You know what? I want to say something. All right. Okay. I think we've come full circle and wagons are now overrated. Okay. I disagree with you, James. Maybe not overrated. I think now they're getting the the appropriate level of appreciation. Uh, mm-hmm. Last week, I was like, I've, I've been back and forth on the Mustang. Not that I could afford to buy another car right now. Or, and not that I want to because I, you know, I waxed the Mustang a few weeks ago. I was like, you know what? I really like this mm-hmm. car, um, but wa- I think wagons are really cool, and I would definitely like. I was super into the idea last week, just like looking at all different types. I'm not saying wagons aren't cool, or that there's not cool wagons, like B5 S4 Avant in like yellow or jazz blue, a mole yellow or jazz blue, right? Not the red. Uh, yeah, that's probably third. Um, sure, very cool. I'm just saying, just being a wagon does not constitute a cool car. I think 
that uh, wagons in general are sort of having their Miata moment where it's like, yeah, it, I'm not saying it's not cool. It's just not the coolest. You're like, I, I owned a Saturn L 300 wagon and I was like, I'm never not going to have a wagon again. Mm-hmm. Obviously it's not true right now, but like, it's so nice to just be able to like open up your trunk and you can fit a refrigerator. In it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not saying I hate wagons. I'm just saying like, a wagon does not a cool a wagon alone does not a cool car make. You know what I mean? Although the car was ostensibly German, Giugiaro's Italian touches were everywhere. The first model of the Passat, called the B1, featured angular bodywork that recalled Giugiaro's work from Maserati as well as the De Tomaso Mangusta. It was that folding paper style, making use of flat surfaces and sharp corners. But this time for the average consumer. The clear stylistic vision elevated what was essentially a family car into something that was intangibly cooler than the average car of the 1970s. The Passat became a major hit for Volkswagen, and it was the magic of Giugiaro. However, it was Giugiaro's next project for Volkswagen that would prove to be his most successful car design of all time and cement his relationship with Volkswagen, where his designs made him the brand's most influential modern designer. It was the Volkswagen Mark One Golf. The car Dejaro would later recognize as, quote, the most important car of my career. And James, too. <laughs> yeah, it's the most important car of my career. <laughs> the Golf, initially marketed in the U.S. as the Rabbit. What? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, you didn't know I that? I didn't know that. No, because they brought... Dude, my girlfriend told me about that when she was showing me how to <laughs> shave. <laughs> Um, that's crazy. So when they brought, they brought the rabbit back for a little bit, right? Yeah. In 2005. Was that um, just a polo over here then? Or was it? No, that was the golf. They changed the name of the golf back to the rabbit for like a year or two. Wow. Um, The engine that's going into my golf is from one of those rabbits, I think. Dang. You know, what's crazy? My dad had, or sorry, my girlfriend had a, uh, (laughs) (laughs) he, we had a, we had a rabbit for a little while. Um, when I was a kid, and the I thought it was, one? no, no, no. Uh, it was like yeah, I think it was one. a Mark One or Mark Two rabbit. It was just, it was a Mark One then. Yeah, so because... we we had a freaking Mark One. I can call. Yeah, I can, I can be friends with Jason at Rotiform because we can. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had a, a Volkswagen growing up. That's yeah, awesome. Dude, come in the the pool is cool, man. <laughs> the pool is cool. <laughs> yeah, it was white. <laughs> Dude, I thought, okay, that's crazy, man. I thought it was a, like, I thought the rabbit was its own thing this whole time. No, it's the golf. That's crazy. And the fox is the Jetta, right? No. The Jetta. Fox is, is something different? The Jetta is the Jetta. The fox is a really weird car. Um, yeah, so the fox is a longitudinal mounted uh, front wheel drive car. That's so bizarre. Like the Saab 900. Now I actually really want a Mark 1 Golf. Just to dude, re- just to rekindle that. Oh my god. Bro, that's a perfect little project for you. The pool is cool, dude. Yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> I'm into it. But Jamie Orr, who I bought my car yeah. from and has the Harlequin we did on bumper to bumper, he has uh-huh. like an insane fox. Really? Like insane. Like like that like that guy builds a lot of cars and that is like his once in a lifetime build. Like he'll never customize a car that much again. Oh, nice. Like, I want to go check it out. Like shaved rain tray, 16 valve uh, with independent throttle body. Just like 
crazy. Dang. I got to go check it out after this is done. We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Do you follow automotive news or do you just like cars and want to see what the heck's going on? Well, then you might like Donut Media's new podcast, The Big Three. Hi, I'm James Pumphrey. And every week, me and my co-host slash two of my top five friends, Nolan Sykes and Joe Weber, unpack the latest and greatest in automotive news and trends on The Big Three. You'll also get a lot of laughs, hot takes, and personal insight on cars from the biggest car guys in automotive media. So, whether you're a hardcore enthusiast or just a person who goes, up, that's a good-looking car, <laughs> check out The Big Three, available wherever you get your podcasts, or you can watch the full videos at Donut Podcasts on YouTube. The Golf, originally marketed in the U.S. as the Rabbit, was meant to be a replacement for the Beetle, as Volkswagen tried to modernize its fleet as its sales flogged. Um, Volkswagen had actually been developing potential replacements for the Beetles in the early 50s, but nothing had ever stuck. In the early 70s, a sluggish domestic market in Germany, combined with toughening trade relationships with the vital United States market, all came to a head in 1973, when the OPEC oil crisis hit and sent the global economy into a recession. In a oil single year. shirt's coming soon. That's right. I still don't know how I feel about that, but we're putting them out. <laughs> In a single year, Volkswagen posted the modern equivalent of a billion-dollar loss in today's numbers. Dang. As bad as the economic situation was, it meant that a small car that was cheap and fuel-efficient was poised for success. The Golf had been made in response to recent popular small front-engine cars like the Fiat 128 and Citroën GS, but it would far surpass those cars in sales. In fact, it would exceed even the decades-long sales performance of the VW Beetle to become the third best-selling car of all time, only after the Ford F-Series and the Toyota Corolla. Funny, I was actually looking at new Golfs on uh, eBay Motors yesterday. Uh... I don't. I don't want to step on James. I don't want to step on your Volkswagen. No, man. Hey, that's not how it works, bud. The pool is cool. All right. The more, the merrier. If you want to jump in the pool, I'm just saying it's cool. I'll send you a little float. We can have little. Uh, it's like vacation times. Wake up, eat a little brekkie, go to the pool. Oh, it's 10:30, 11 a.m. Maybe we get a little strawberry margarita, buddy. The pool is cool. It's that kind of pool. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I do know what you're saying. I miss when uh, you had a pool at your place. Yeah, that was fun. That was a really good I, time. I bought a baby pool. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but seriously, we, my, my, buddy, my buddy had, a, uh, I think, a Mark 7 Golf that he uh, got rid of. Yeah. But I helped him like lower it and all that on some BCs. And it was just a, it was a cool car. And I was like, huh, you know, I... I I really value practicality right now. Like a hatch, a mm -hmm. fun hatchback is like basically at the top of my list for my next daily driver. So maybe golf I've is like the way to go. Almost, I've owned almost exclusively fun hatchbacks. Um, even my daily right now, the Tiguan is just a large golf. Yeah. It's the same engine, same undercarriage, basically a Mark V golf. Mark six? I think it's a Mark six golf. The reason for its success was not that it was a small car, as we mentioned, because those had already existed, nor was it the mechanics. Although the Mark I featured an innovative water-cooled inline-four engine, 
That couldn't have meant much to the millions of people who would buy one. Most people don't really care about their engine. The car stood out from the pack for one reason, and that was Jajaro's design. Although Volkswagen had given Jajaro strict dimensions to work with, including an exact length, width, height, and wheelbase, as well as the dimensions of the interior of the Mark I, Jajaro worked within those specifications to create something that could have only come from his brain. As much as Jajaro worked with powerful, sexy, exotic cars, he had always had a playful side as well, coming out in his weirder concepts like the Tetsudo, or Testudo, rather. The Mark I was angular and modern, but it also seemed friendly, something that anyone could hop into and have fun driving. Like the Alfa Romeo Iguana, it seemed more 80s than something made in 1974, because it set a design standard that would be copied by manufacturers for years to come. By the 70s, Italian design had gone from scrappy upstart to being a major Italian automotive design firm. Dejaro's services were being sought around the world. For example, in 1976, he was commissioned by the New York Museum of Modern Art to create the Alfa Romeo New York Taxi concept. And his concept, a compact boxy design with sliding rear passenger doors on both sides, looked incredibly like the minivans that would arrive in the 80s. Yeah, this looks like a Previa. Jajara had always had an interest in transportation and utility. The first credited production model to carry the Ital design name was actually the Suzuki Carry L40, a Japanese mini truck that was as far away from a wedge as you could get. As for that famous wedge shape, Jajara would cash in on it in 1976 as he brought a consumer-friendly Ital design version of the wedge car to market in the form of the Lotus Esprit. The Esprit was a rear mid-engine rear-wheel drive coupe and although it wasn't exactly an affordable car, it was at least a product that could be bought with money, unlike Jajaro's concept cars. Lotus would sell thousands of Esprits, proving that Jajaro was a bankable design at any price point. As flashy and modern as the folding paper design aesthetic looked, it was in many ways cheaper to manufacture than the curvier cars it replaced. Flat pieces of metal and glass are easier to manufacture and weld together. Practicality isn't quite the right word for it. Tajaria's wedge cars were certainly not daily drivers, but even with his concepts, he never lost sight of the function of the car. And although aerodynamics would evolve far beyond the wedge as the concept of downforce became better understood, the wedge was also aerodynamically innovative for the time. But not really one of the wedge isn't really the most aerodynamic. No, it turned out um, it's not really at all. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. By the 70s, Jajaro's influence was also extended to pop culture. A white Lotus Esprit was featured in the James Bond movie, The Spy Who Loved Me, an unforgettable- Wet Nelly! Yeah, Wet Nelly! Wet Nelly the car! <laughs> in an unforgettable <laughs> scene, Bond, played by Roger Moore, is driving the Lotus along a coastal road as a helicopter firing machine guns is strafing him. Without anywhere to turn, he speeds onto a long dock, and as he nears the water's edge, Bond turns to the beautiful woman sitting shotgun and asks- can you swim? Can you swim? <laughs> Oi, bird, can you swim? <laughs> Oi, can you swim? <laughs> before, before she has a chance to answer, the lotus flies off a dock and underwater, and Bond hits a switch, causing the wheels to roll into the body before, before being replaced with fins. Then he <laughs> fires a gosh-darn torpedo out of the hood, which flies up out of the water and explodes the helicopter. Jajara had designed shark-like cars before, but only in a Bond movie could one of his designs actually turn into an underwater predator. 
Elon Musk owns this car now. Oh, yeah. He paid a million dollars for it. He paid a million bucks. And the people that he bought it from paid a hundred bucks for it. They bought like a storage unit and it was inside of it. And uh, then they sold it at auction for a million bucks. Wet Nelly, they call Wet her. Wet Nelly, they call her. <laughs> I can't find any Mark One rabbits on, on eBay. Not a lot of them left. That sucks. There's not a lot of cars for sale currently anyway. Or like a couple months ago when I was first looking, there were a ton and now there's not. Hmm. There's a lot of Miatas right now though, for some reason. Uh, maybe because I told everyone they're not that cool. <laughs> Did you have more global influence than Mike O'Malley? <laughs> but of course, Jajaria's ultimate pop cultural moment came in 1985 when his DMC DeLorean was featured in the blockbuster sensation Back to the Future. It had been commissioned by John DeLorean, a former Detroit auto executive who left General Motors to start his own company in 1973. Although it's remembered as an 80s car, the DeLorean was actually a concept that had begun in the 70s. In 1976, the first prototype was built, referred to as the DSV-1, or DeLorean Safety Vehicle, because nothing sexier than safe. That's what I say. <laughs> I know, you're sexy but boring. That's right. The car was a wedge <laughs> whose most notable design touches were the use of stainless steel and its distinctive gold wing doors. Unfortunately, events around the DeLorean's release seemed cursed to doom the car. 1980 saw the U.S. economy go into recession. Not the best situation for a car whose rollout included a limited premium run of the DeLorean's literally plated in 24 karat gold. Uh, additionally, John DeLorean was charged for cocaine smuggling in 1982. It was a setup. Uh, and after, after an undercover sting operation, and although he was eventually found not guilty, it bankrupted his company, which was what they were trying to do, meaning the DeLorean DMC would be the only car DeLorean ever produced. But it was, I mean, it was a lot of money when it ended up coming out, but he wanted it to be an affordable sports car, which is why it's called the DMC 12. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be 12 grand. available for 12, 12 grand, mm -hmm. which was... Still like twenty five grand at the time, but still like affordable as far as sports cars go. Yeah, hey, if you want to learn more about the DeLorean and the life of John DeLorean, uh, who is a very interesting guy, loved his plastic surgery and getting divorced. Um, check out our series on John DeLorean. <laughs> I mean, he did a lot of cool stuff no, other than great. that. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> yeah, but he kinda... mostly he mostly got chin implants and. Uh, <laughs> Divorced and married actors. I, I, slash I'm models. pretty sure we have a bit where the chin is sentient and has its own personality. Uh, it's pretty funny. No, I, I you're right. Like I, I, I did him a disservice by by just highlighting those two things because yeah, he, his legacy and his achievements were much more than that. So please check out that series. Uh, it's really good. By the 80s, Jajara had conquered the car world. His company diversified as he became increasingly interested in the greater world of industrial design, starting a partnership with Nikon that led him to, to that uh, you know, ended up in him designing multiple cameras for them. He also designed motorcycles for Ducati and Suzuki, a wristwatch for Psycho, Seiko, Seiko, not Psycho. <laughs> Psycho. <laughs> a wristwatch for Seiko. Psycho. Uh, he designed that was my nickname uh, in uh, sports. Uh, my nickname in sports was Clown. I was the vacuum. Really? 
Cause you, yeah, because I, I played shortstop and uh, I would suck everything up. Yeah, you guys, sounds like you guys were good at sports. I was bad at sports, but I was good at bits. So they, uh, they uh, called me clown and, and the, they would make me, I was much smaller in high school. I quit playing football when I was like 5'9", and then my senior year, I grew to like 6'3". My dad damn. was so pissed, uh, but they I used, the, the, kid, the guys used to make me do bits. <laughs> Like make me like they'd be like, hey clown, do Elton John. I'd be like, eh, I don't really feel like it. They'd be like, do Elton John, clown. I'd be like Saturday, Saturday. <laughs> they also made you uh, p- wear wear clown makeup and hit a hit a beer keg with a baseball bat, right? What? The Slipknot reference. Never dude, mind. you're psycho. <laughs> you're absolutely psycho. No, yeah, you're dude. psycho, dude. So that was for all my new metal heads out there. That joke. Uh, Jajara also designed guns, including a submachine gun for Beretta and also a pipe organ. What? For a cathedral in Switzerland. Maybe his most famous non-automotive design was an edible one. The Maria pasta shape that he developed for pasta maker Voilello. I don't even know how to say it. V-O-I-E-L-L-O. Voilello. Voilello. Voyello. Dude, this gun is sick. Uh, intended the design which was like three rigatoni stuck together to optimize the holding on to the maximum amount of pasta sauce (laughs) we gotta tell Eddie about this he's stuck on thinking rigatoni is the best vehicle for sauce Uh, (laughs) however the elaborate pasta shape meant that it took a long time to cook and the noodle was a flop for Jajaro a a little too uh (laughs) What's the opposite of al dente? Um, Mudigia is what we say in our family. It means mushy and gross. Yep, and that describes it. Mudigia. Look, man, you guys brought me in to design some pasta, and pasta is nothing without the sauce, and we're going to make a sauce or a a noodle that holds all the sauce. We should, yeah, we should design a donut, uh, donut special, specialized. It should be a cup, honestly, if we're talking about holding the most Sauce, it should be a big shell. Uh, anyway, luckily for Jajaro, he still had cars to fall back on, thank God. Uh, Ital Design continued to design production cars and concepts for almost every major car manufacturer, including Ford, Chevy, Jaguar, Ferrari, Maserati, Bugatti, BMW, Suzuki, Hyundai, and Toyota. And Daewoo. And Daewoo. Can't forget them. In fact, it's easier to list the companies Ital Design didn't work with. Honda was the only major manufacturer he never got a chance to collaborate with. A disappointment he cited as his biggest regret in a recent interview. Man, could you imagine oh, a Honda ugh. designed by him? I think that'd be amazing. That'd yeah, be... me too. Yeah. Wow. Agreed. Like, he should have designed the new NSX. That would have yeah, been really sick. Totally. As for the fate of the Wedge, by the late 80s, it was starting to look a bit dated. As evidenced by a truly ugly 1988 Atal design model called the Audi Aztec that looked like a knockoff Sony Walkman on wheels. I don't know. This thing's kind of sick. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like it, but the the descriptor of Walkman on wheels is pretty accurate, especially that mm-hmm. rear quarter yeah. panel mess. Yeah, look, there's like the weird texture on the quarter panel. Yeah, it's what very strange looking. Uh, looks like it would fit in a early 90s sci-fi film, though. It is kind of neat. For all our viewers out there who can't see this right now. Pull over it, and Google it. <laughs> it. It looks like 
if the Porsche Carrera GT was designed for a sci-fi movie and it looks like a Fiero. I was going to say Fiero. Yeah. Yeah, it does. By the 90s, Italian design had largely left behind the folding paper style, reverting to a more typical curvier designs like the Maserati Spider that didn't stand out as much against other firms. Meanwhile, Dujaro focused on his legacy. In 1999, he was awarded Car Designer of the Century by a jury of over 100 auto journalists. Designers he beat out included his old boss, Nukio Bertone. Just to put this into perspective, he is the only man to ever win this award. The only person to ever win this award. Because there's never been a century of car design. So, And we have to wait another 79 years to yeah. see who wins the next oh, one. Man. <laughs> so... so Basically, a hundred people voted and decided that he's the best designer ever. That's crazy. Chip Foos is like, there's still one more year left. You guys, this is unfair. <laughs> Have you seen the Prowler? <laughs> Jajaro, who is now 81, recently reflected on how car culture had changed since his beginnings in a recent interview with Esquire, quote, The younger generation may not care about appearances quite as much. They have more kinds of love. In the past, many men had their cars as the main love. Now they have more interests. They're also fans of an actor or a singer. They have phones and technology, but the car is still something that shows who you are. It is important because it enables you to move around and it makes you more free. Your car is a status symbol to show who you are, what you think, and what you would like to be. A car can do that. Yeah, I think that's pretty, yeah. pretty accurate. Turns out this Jujaro guy knows what he's talking about. Yeah, this guy is cool. <laughs> in 2010, Jujaro sold 90% of Atal Design to the company's biggest business partner, Volkswagen. Atal Design is now a giant company employing 800 people with yearly revenue in the hundreds of millions. Jujaro retired in 2015, but his influence is still being felt today. He defined the future of cars back in the 60s, and his designs were so iconic that they still feel futuristic half a century later. His mix of innovative design and real-world mechanical knowledge led to a resume that ranged from out-of-this-world exotics like the Mangusta and the Maserati Ghibli to practical, million-selling models like the Mark I Golf and Passat. Now that we're in a new age of innovation with electric cars, it's no surprise that Tesla's newest model, the Tesla Cybertruck, owes a huge and obvious debt to Jajaro. Who knows? The wedge might be primed for a comeback too. Car Design's past was literally shaped by Jajaro, and clearly the future will be too. Cool. Very yeah, good what a story. Cool yeah, that was a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Um, this is a, a bit heavy that one. That was a chonky one for sure. Um, yeah, big old bits, lots of pronunciation. Oh yeah, lots of errors yeah. uh, with pronunciation. So forgive us for that, for all the native tongue speakers out there, for all the words that I may have mispronounced that James may have mispronounced. We don't do it on purpose. We're just very as our as our resident Italian American Joe uh, forgives us. <laughs> yeah, on behalf of yeah, all we have the blessing. We have Joe's blessing, so that's very helpful. I forgive you. <laughs> hey, if you like this show, uh, maybe you have some friends that might like it too. Uh, word of mouth is is the name of the game in podcasting. So please, uh, please let someone you know, let them know about the show. That would really help us out. Give us a good review on iTunes or Spotify or uh, leave a comment 
in YouTube. Let us know that we're doing a good job or not. Let Criticism is also welcome. I want to make the show as good as it can be because I really love podcasting. Uh, follow the boys on social media. Follow Joe at Joe G Weber on Instagram and Twitter. Um, <laughs> follow James at James Pumphrey on both as well. James just does what he wants on those platforms. I'm not, I'm not, I don't even know. Uh, follow me at Nolan J Sykes. I also post pictures. Join us next week when we are covering the Motorex. That's right. Controversy. That's right. What actually Motorex. happened? We have someone involved in the scandal. Not involved in the scandal, but involved in the situation. Yeah, knows about it. If you don't know, um, it's uh, this company tried to import R34 GTRs to the U.S. before they would be completely legal. It went a little sideways, um, and uh, the feds got involved. That's very interesting. All cars were seized. Yeah, it should be really fun. Uh, so join us for that next week. All right. I love you. All right. Be kind. And wink, wink, babies. <laughs> wink, wink, nation. Hashtag wink, wink, nation. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.